BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Don't worry about it. Joey Ryan, Scott Loss, you guys should be worried. I'm no dummy. Sure, I might be the intrepid traveler. I might be fearless. But I'm no fool. I need to run with a partner. May 22nd, PWG Tag Team. To my birthday. His birthday, bring cake, German chocolate. You know, earlier today I was at the beach. True story, I was in the sand, looking out at the ocean, thinking about life, contemplating this or that. Having a slice of pizza, I regret. And I saw some seagulls flying above. Dive-bombing fish in the kelp beds. I saw some seals playing around, flying in the water. And I saw some dolphins swimming together in a pod. And I realized I need a pod. Two-person pod. Say hello to my pod partner. Hello. Hello. That was good. What we'd also like to tell you is that May 22nd, PWG Tag Team Tournament. Brian Danielson, American Dragon, American Dolphin, and Paul London, the Dolphin Master. We are innovative, and we want something new from the fans of PWG, because all the time, what do they do every match? Oh yeah, every time that we wrestle, they go out there and they... It's like this. It's like. And that's great. That's great. Don't think we don't appreciate it. It's awesome. But with Paul Lennon and Brian Danielson, there's a bit of a buzz going around. Buzz. What we'd like you people to do is join the swarm. Join it. Don't clap for us. Don't clap. We don't need to be clapped for. What we want is a buzz. I know you can do it, I know you're capable of it. Let go of fear, let go of insecurity, enjoy yes, the swarm. Adults, everybody, join the swarm. That's 
we're gonna sting the hell out of you, Joey Ryan. Scott, Scott Lost. Lost. No. You're gonna get stung. Just like the dolphin would sting him. Hell. <laughs> 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 it totally would. It's a hybrid dolphin. It comes from the island of Dr. Moreau. This is a great hand? No, no, I don't understand. You need to understand, Brian! You need to understand, man, because when we're a pod, the PWG pod, join the pod or the swarm. Take your pick, join them both. It's my music! You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 118, and it's about the themes of Paul London, sponsored by HelloFresh. And today I am joined once again by a former contributor at Voices of Wrestling. It's Sean Flynn. Hello again, Sean. Hello, Andrew. I I don't like to say former. I like to say occasional. <laughs> every every year or two, I pop up in some in some form on the site. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, sure thing. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm glad you're back on. Regardless, Thank here. You. Um, it's funny. We were actually in the same city not too long ago because I was in Chicago for All Out, and uh, we never actually met face-to-face on that trip. Uh, you were like one of the few people I didn't meet uh, in person, which is a shame, but uh, there's always next time, I guess, you know? Yeah, I kept hoping that, you'd, that you were going to be popping up in the uh, VOW party suite, which may or may not have been paid for by Tony Khan. I don't want to spread any rumors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to get in trouble for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's actually good timing because I think this is just about the first day or two that I've had my voice fully back after that show. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it's a good thing we didn't meet up because uh, when I got back home, I got a very bad cold. Uh, just snot everywhere, sinus pressure, coughing the whole nine yards. And uh, I probably could have given that to you if we met, actually. So um, I guess you dodged a bullet there, I suppose. <laughs> I think this is the first wrestling show I've ever gone to where I didn't come away from it two days later feeling like I just got hit by a truck because of some sort of weird virus that got mixed together from 10,000 people coming from all over the country. Yeah, yeah. When I started to feel the sickness coming on, I did take a COVID test because, you know, I'm backed up. I wore the mask the whole time of the show, but you never know. It's not 100% safe, of course. So I took the test, uh, came back negative, thankfully. So I guess it was just your your standard crud that you get from being around a bunch of wrestling fans there, I suppose. (laughs) Exactly. It's just a horrible Petri dish. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um Well, anyway, uh, we are here today to discuss the themes of uh, one of the stalwarts of the 2000s indie scene, of early ROH in particular, former Cruiserweight champion and tag champion in WWE, it's Paul London. And I know some of you might be thinking out there, Paul London, that's a bit random. Well, the reason we're doing Paul London is because A, he just announced he's coming back to wrestling after a few years away, so that's timely there. Uh, But also, B, I'm in the process of watching all the classic ROH shows from the beginning. And, you know, a a fair amount of those early ROH shows don't hold up. Um, Namely, the homophobia and misogyny. But uh, the rise of Paul London, seeing him become, you know, more and more popular with the fans. His matches with Michael Shane and Brian Danielson and AJ Styles. Those hold up for sure. 
and they're a real highlight of early ROH. Um, so how familiar are you with that period of London's career there, Sean? Well, I mean, I was one of those people who was getting all the ROH DVDs back then. I, I didn't really get a chance to see him much live because he kind of came and went before ROH started really expanding into the Midwest. So my, my experience with him is almost entire is basically all DVDs, but the thing that sticks out for me is that he really was kind of the first organically pushed, not, I don't like to use the word homegrown for him, but he was the first guy that wasn't already a big name that the ROH fans sort of latched onto and pushed to the top of the card. Whereas all the other guys who came in, they were already established in what was the indie scene at the time with the, the super eights and, and those sorts of tournaments. Whereas London really was the first real ROH. We made this guy, we pushed him. And so, yeah, he was a, he was, he was definitely interesting to watch in that regard because he didn't have that already built-in cachet that guys like Daniels or Loki had when they came in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my intro to London was when he first showed up in WWE. Like, his first day on SmackDown, he was just this new guy who Vince put in a match with Brock Lesnar, and Brock, of course, just killed him dead. Like, <laughs> he F5'd him into the ring post, I think. And from that day on, I became a fan of his. Um, he wasn't my favorite wrestler, but I always had a fondness for him. And his tag team with, with Kendrick as well. Like, he never rose beyond a certain ceiling in the company, obviously, but... He did some cool moves, he took some crazy bumps, and he just had a likable vibe about him. He seemed very easy to root for, Sean, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, even back all the way back in the day, that's what got him there. The, the, the please don't die chants were not ironic. They, they were, we love this guy, and he's breaking himself out here for us. Hopefully he makes it through so we can see him again. <laughs> Yeah, you mentioned, you know, the crowd connection in ROH. I mean, as I'm going through the shows, it is very noticeable to see him just become more and more popular and the crowd to just love him more and more as time goes on. I mean, when he's wrestling Xavier for the ROH title and people are really invested in an Xavier match, that says a lot because those Xavier matches back then, eh, not exactly the bee's knees, I'd say. Um Unfortunately, you know, when he left ROH, I don't think he was ever able to really capture that magic again, especially, you know, after leaving WWE and uh, going back to the indies, because, you know, he had the tag team with Generico and PWG that was popular and the one with Danielson as well. But as far as becoming like a major single star at the top of a company, he was never able to reach that, which I think is a shame because, you know, he had that connection, Sean. He did. And the 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 devil's advocate could say that maybe he left ROH at just the right time. I mean, when he left, he was at he was being pushed to the top of the company, and he was a very over star. But he never had to try and carry the promotion for any length of time. He never had to try and be the top babyface for any length of time. And then when he went into WWE, he was able to slot into the forgotten tag champ role and have a nice little career there for a few years and have that ridiculously long title reign but we never really he was always able to sort of get by on the potential and with the flashes that he had especially back like i said in roh where he he left him wanting more when he left rather than saying oh god it's london again and then by the time he came back on the indies it's like oh it's paul london you're still here and you're good but 
yeah, we don't quite know what to make of you. He's a very interesting character. Right, yeah. I mean, we'll get to that later on for sure. His um, peculiarities, uh, shall we say. <laughs> we'll get to that later on. But but yeah, I, I mean, you could say this about a million guys out there, but if he was coming up today with places like AEW, he'd probably have a much better chance of becoming that top guy. But that's just not the way it played out for him, unfortunately. Definitely someone who in some ways, both wrestling-wise and lifestyle-wise, was just a little before his time. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Well, let's get to these themes here, and uh, the way we'll do this is we'll focus on a few specific points of London's career, his ROH run, his WWE run, and we'll touch a little bit on his post-WWE run as well. So we're not going to cover every single theme of his in depth, but we'll discuss the ones from his most prominent runs, and we'll mention others he had along the way too, so... We'll start off here in Ring of Honor, of course. Uh, Paul makes his debut there in March 2002 on the second-ever show, Round Robin Challenge, as part of the Texas Wrestling Academy crew with guys like Michael Shane and Spanky and Biohazard. He had a rather auspicious start in the company because his opponent, Chris Marvel, broke his leg in like the first two minutes. So not the best start there, I think, but um, he got through it, thankfully. His first theme is by the band The Union Underground, off their album An Education in Rebellion. This is South Texas Death Ride. Early 2000s, which means we got new metal, baby. Them's the rules. So, a lot of aggression, a lot of F-bombs. Um, has kind of a Power Man 5000 feel to it, in my opinion. Um, I don't know if London's vibe really matches the tone here, because he was never this, like, super heavy, doom and gloom kind of character. He was a lot more straight-laced, I think. Um, but, yeah, the title, South Texas Death Ride... He is from Texas, after all. The band is from Texas, too. And Death Ride does kind of play into the whole please-don't-die, high-risk character there. So I can see that working in some respects. Uh, plus, it might just be as simple as him liking the song. So um, what do you think about this one here, Sean? Well, first, I'm a little annoyed because I was wearing a nice blue and red shirt when this song started, but the sheer new metalness of it all just turned it jet black by the end of it. <laughs> so a little sad about that. It's it's definitely not what you expect a Paul London song to be. It's like, hey, here's this very Ricky Morton-like babyface who gets his ass kicked and flies around and flippy-doos, and this song is just pure driving anger, anger, rage, metal, suburban white anger. And 
like you said, I guess back then it really was just, hey, you have a song? Okay, here, let's play this. But I can't imagine if I was in an ROH show and I hear this song start and I'm like, oh, okay, what, what kind of badass is coming out now? And then Paul London, especially early generic Paul London, comes <laughs> out through the curtain and be like, is this a rib? <laughs> but it works in the regard that ROH at that time everybody outside of like Samoa Joe was so small and so cookie cutter in that regard that I mean the badasses in ROH were people who looked like Paul London I mean Loki was the main badass in ROH and I've met Loki Loki comes up to my chin when he's wearing shoes with big lifts on them <laughs> so you could get away with, especially if you're Paul the Crippler London, you're breaking people's legs in the first two minutes of your match. <laughs> but yeah, you could get away with that vibe back then because everybody was doing it. But now, obviously, in hindsight, you're like, this song is for a big bruiser who's going to come out and ground and pound somebody. It's not for Paul Flippy Do. And it's just such a time capsule song. I, I I I have to shave a goatee now. I didn't have a goatee when this song started. <laughs> well, it, it does line up with other songs he was using during this time period because in MLW he was using "The Man Without Fear" by Drowning Pool, and in OVW he used "Not Falling" by Mudvayne. So you know, very similar wavelengths there in terms of sound. Um, the funny thing is, though, you know, we debate whether or not this song works for him. If you actually watch those early ROH videos. The entrances were cut, like, super short. They went, like, 10 seconds before they cut to the next guy. So, in the grand scheme of things, if you're just watching the videos, it doesn't really matter all too much how well this song works for him there, Sean, you know? This is true. I, 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 I And honestly, it's not the worst idea if you're out on, on the Indies at that point to get a song by, by Union Underground. And just, it's like, oh, yeah, I know that voice. I've heard that. I mean, there there are definitely worse hooks than being the uh, being the group that did WWE themes. That's right. Yeah, they did uh, across the nation. The raw theme. Move to the music. Let's get it on. I get the drugs. And then actually, that song debuted the same year as London used this song, 2002. So that was a pretty good year for this band's exposure in wrestling, Sean. You know. <laughs> I guess everyone gets there one year. <laughs> also, I would just like to point out that the word hypocrisize from the lyrics, I, I have a poetic license and it, it's in good standing. So I can, I can safely say that's not really a word. <laughs> and, and the English teacher in me is a little upset at this and gives them a markdown to an A minus. <laughs> well, as an English major myself, I, uh, I, I concur with your standings there. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> uh, I wonder, two English majors, that's why it's a rest we're doing a wrestling podcast, because we're making use of those degrees. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely, yeah. <laughs> definitely, yeah. Um, better than being a coaster at this point, so, you know. <laughs> I, 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 I just use all of my degrees as placemats when I have company over. <laughs> I ask the company to bring the food because they're all useless degrees, but they still make excellent placemats. Yeah. So the year goes on, and London has that big feud with Michael Shane, uh, including the crazy street fight that has the infamous run-up-the-ladder dive spot. In October, London gets a new theme. This is by E.S. Posthumous off the album Unearthed. This is called Pompeii. 
So we go from new metal to something that's a bit different, I'd say. Uh, this kind of new age symphonic rock hybrid thingy. Uh, definitely more epic in sound. Um, hard enough to feel epic with the choir and the orchestra there. It, it definitely stands out compared to the more common themes of the era. You know, new metal, rap rock, hip hop, etc. But I think in this case it works well because, you know, London himself was standing out as, again, one of the first homegrown ROH guys that fans latched onto. You know, he wasn't just some other guy, he had that connection. So I think that sense of individuality with London goes hand-in-hand hand with this song here, Sean. Exactly. It's so epic, and it's funny, we keep using the word epic. Actually, one of the things it reminded me of was that sort of symphonic metal genre, groups like Epica, Nightwish, things with that Gregorian chant, the the bombastic, almost very church-like music. I, I, I don't know if you tra- if you ran the lyrics through any sort of a translator for this, the, the few lyrics that there are. But but I do like at the end, it's just horrendous, completion, humanity, backwards. <laughs> it's like, what are you yelling about? But it sounds so important. <laughs> Did you, when you listen to this song, the first, I, I, I thought of a movie and I, it, very, very apropos to that time, very apropos to the way Paul London wrestles. This sounded like something out of the Matrix, like especially the sequels. I, I did not have a particular movie in mind here, but this was my other big note, which was yeah, the the cinematic aspect to this. You know, because we've heard this in a million movie trailers or action scenes in movies, because yeah, it, it's music that gets you so pumped up, because you're about to see something really cool and heart pounding. And Lord knows, yeah, that was London's rep in ROH, just taking crazy bumps doing wild high spots like you can picture a montage of london highlights set to this music easily so yeah the the cinematic quality is a very big part of this and it it tells you you have to watch this guy so i'm right there with you on this one sean in that aspect for sure yeah and i mean it like you said it's perfect for him because ice i just see him like in the final fight in the last the third matrix movie just moving almost in slow motion and just flying up doing the ladder spot with Michael Shane. <laughs> it was it's such a perfect sort of encapsulation of him. There's something almost re- it's beautiful almost like Renaissance start watching him do things that you shouldn't be doing when he's when he's going for sort of these death defying spots. It's it's human artistry and that that worshipful tone but still powerful. It's not, I, I was thinking back just like one generation musically and doing it back in my day when people used Gregorian chant and music, it was just like Enigma with a <laughs> and, and it was all just pretty and this is, this takes it and it's got a big of a boom, boom, boom underneath all of that, all of that beautiful angelic sound which is very, very much that early 2000s ROH vibe. It's something beautiful happening in such a grimy, dirty environment. <laughs> like not, not ECW dirty, but just that unpainted, unfinished. We didn't have the time and energy to hang curtains. So we just put these people out here and let them go batshit. <laughs> The return to innocence. It's in my head now, Sean. Thanks a lot. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) 
because any day with an enigma in your head is a good day. <laughs> um, ES Posthumous, by the way, I was looking them up earlier to see if they had any other songs in wrestling. And in fact, one of them was used by our old pal Master Watto <laughs> when he was Kawato-san in CMLL. So if you want a good laugh, uh, go look up his entrance where he's coming out to you know, see the bottom head and there are sexy women dancing in, you know, in the entranceway, and it's Kawato-san. It's a very funny image for sure. Fitting since Watto is as close to God on earth as you're going to get these days. <laughs> the, the once and the future IWGP champion. Believe it, people, believe it. <laughs> the return to Watto hey, uh, I'll stop, I'll stop. <laughs> I've got blue hair. <laughs> I screw up my move sometimes. How dare you? <laughs> His screw ups are artistic. <laughs> They're meant. They're grace notes. <laughs> so London gets a third theme in April 2003, uh, the final theme of this ROH run, which I have not gotten to yet, by the way. This is by Tomoyasu Hote off the album The Electric Samurai as well as the soundtrack to Kill Bill Volume 1. This is Battle Without Honor or Humanity. So this is another song that I would classify as epic, though in a different way. Um, more modern, more stylish, more cool. Everyone knows it from Kill Bill, of course. Uh, still going for that cinematic big fight feel that gets you all pumped up, all fired up, but it's less classical and old school with the choir and orchestra and a lot more cool modern day badass, which, you know, timing-wise, O3ROH, this is a lot more hip and contemporary than the sound that Pompeii gives, you know, Sean, so. I, I once saw a video of random people doing ordinary things to battle without honor or humanity to prove that everything becomes epic when you're doing it to that song. <laughs> and it, it, it's true. I, sometimes I'll, when I'm hanging laundry or doing dishes, I'll just put that song on my headphones and suddenly it's just... I see soap bubbles flying up in slow motion as I karate chop them out of the air. What, what do you say? It's, this song is so ubiquitous and it's so... I don't know why every wrestler in the world doesn't come out to this song. Because what else are you going to come out to that makes you somehow even more badass sounding? And like you're more ready for some sort of epic fight to the death than this. I mean, other than maybe the chicken pants. <laughs> 
Yeah, again, it's a little strange for me to see Paul London come out to this music, but I think it's because I'm more used to his WWE music and the kind of songs that he used there. Because, as we'll see, his WWE music is a whole different percolator of fish <laughs> than his ROH music is here, which is very, you know, unique and epic and badass and confrontational and mighty and very distinctive. Um, and I'm not used to seeing Paul London come out to music like this. Um, but again, if the goal is to make him seem cool and badass and make him stand out, then this song works to a tee, Sean. And it's perf- it's, it, it works for him because by this point in his ROH career, he is established as the guy who's going to fight to the death. He's He is Mr. Please Don't Die. This is someone who he's not it doesn't have the epic feel because, oh, he's going to come out and he's going to beat everybody's ass. But it's like, he's going to fight and scrap. And you know that when he comes out here, shit's going to go down and it's going to go down like crazy. And he's going to fight and fight and fight and fight until there's nothing left of him one way or the other. And you know you're going to see something that's just huge in the in just the amount of heart that's shown. So yeah, even though he himself, his style doesn't lend itself to that that sort of badass idea the the never give up attitude is so strong in him that you're ready to see him take on anything in the world at that point Mm -hmm. yeah i mean regardless it's tremendous entrance music you know i mean that that opening guitar riff and the wind blowing the horn section it's all amazing and it's like it's no wonder so many guys have come out to it over the years you know everyone from hallow wicked to jigsaw to tao yasuda Diamante Azul, uh, the Basham Brothers at one point. Um, right now, actually, um, Yukio Sakaguchi in DDT uses this song. So a wide range of wrestlers right there. And uh, I guess, you know, in the end, whether it really fits them all or not, it just it sounds pretty damn cool for a wrestling theme there, Sean. So, yeah. Exactly. No one's it's like coming out to Iron Man. You're never going to come off worse you're never going to come off sounding, looking bad coming out to that song. It's going to make you seem cooler, no matter who you are. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, so before we continue here, I just want to remind people that this episode of Music of the Mat is sponsored by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make some home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. We're talking 50 menu and market items to choose from each and every week. It could be meat, it could be vegetarian, pescatarian, calorie smart, family friendly. There is a plan for everyone to enjoy with recipes designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. And at a great value, too. In fact, HelloFresh is over 30% cheaper than shopping at grocery stores. And with pre-portioned ingredients, you're not going to spend any extra money on excess food and throw stuff out at the end. And, uh, Sean, I know you're a bit of a foodie, as they say. You enjoy your fancy restaurants and whatnot. I'm not that kind of guy, but with HelloFresh, I get these great recipes. I get all the ingredients right there ready to go. It's like I'm dining out at a fancy restaurant right in the comfort of my own home. It's pretty great there, Sean. I've actually had HelloFresh meals as well, and they're they're pretty damn good. Yeah, so if you want to try out HelloFresh, I've got the hookup for you. Just go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW14 and use code VOW14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. And that's the number 14, not the word. So 
hellofresh.com slash VOW14. Use the code VOW14 and get up to 14 free meals with free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. So in the summer of 03, Paul London signs with WWE, uh, briefly going to OVW first, before debuting on SmackDown in the fall. Uh, his first theme there was also used by Spanky, because they were a tag team before Spanky got released. This is by Nick Welsh from the Extreme Music Library. It's called Hey You. I mentioned that there would be a difference between pre-WWE music and WWE music. Well, here's Exhibit A right for you, because we went from, you know, some pretty cool badass music in ROH to music you would hear in, like, I don't know, a Double Dare commercial or Sunny D. Like, we go from Kill Bill to Budabooka, 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 Budabooka. Like, it's this fun, wacky ska music that just doesn't really scream badass, does it, Sean? <laughs> hey, you! Hey, you! Hey, you! <laughs> I thought at first I was listening to this on vinyl and it had hit a scratch in the record, but no, no, it just repeats Hey, you! about 385 times. Some some truly sublime lyricism happening there. And I, I, I use the word sublime because obviously someone heard wrong way back in the late 90s and said, you know what, I'm just going to keep this in mind and four or five years from now, I'm going to make a really, really horrible watered-down version of this. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Well, as I mentioned, it was originally Spanky's music, and Spanky was a lot wackier than Paul London was at that time uh, in terms of character. But I still think it sets the tone for London's tenure in WWE for the most part, which is, you know, don't expect him to be like a serious threat or a big player in this company. 
He's just here to fly around and be a fun little cruiserweight wrestler and get beat up by Brock Lesnar. So, you know, it, it's kind of sets the tone in that regard, I think, for the most part there, Sean. Hey, you! Hey, you! Hey, you! <laughs> you, you had a thought about this? No. Hey, you! Hey, you! I feel like they made that 20-second or so loop, and then someone said, oh, we need to fill this out so that we can throw it on as a track on WWE The Music Volume 12 or whatever. And so they just, like, bolted some other kind of re- sort of related things on there. But that at some point, this really was just a loop of someone going, hey, you, hey, you. So a kind of ska beat and someone skanking very, very gently in their chair. Because you, you can't really get all that worked up about this, but it, it, it had a tiny little beat that you could you could dance to a bit. It's now, of course, WWE has their their ska music wrestler in Sami Zayn. And I think this could have belonged to him because Sami was also once El Generico and this music is El Generico. <laughs> to be honest, I do kind of like it. I can't lie. I do enjoy this one a little bit here because it's pretty fun. And, and you know, I, I've heard this not just in wrestling. I've heard this elsewhere, like in a bunch of commercials for like TV shows. Like this was used in like, I don't know, Oliver Bean on Fox, I think one time or you know what one of those shows like like the mullets on upn you know one of those you know one hit wonder shows from way back in the day or something like that i don't know but but yeah i do have a soft spot for this one here sean i can't lie i'm i'm going to need a moment to work through the oliver bean reference (laughs) that that one also just kind of threw me back through the time portal about uh three apartments back in life (laughs) it's 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 inoffensive. I mean, I've heard much worse music. I'd much rather listen to this than South Texas Death Ride, which is both bland and loud and angry, whereas this is bland and friendly. And like you said, it's like a Sunny D commercial. It, it It's not going out of its way to make me unhappy. I just would never in my life choose to listen to it. But if I'm at Walmart and I'm popping my way through the aisles and it's on, I'm not going to run out of the store. I'll take that compromise. I'll take it, I guess. So <laughs> that's, that's all I can offer you on this one. It doesn't make me physically angry. Some deals in life you just have to accept, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> take the cannoli. Yeah. So in 2004, London forms a tag team with fellow cruiserweight Billy Kidman, and uh, they actually beat the Dudley Boys to win the WWE tag team titles in the summer, which is pretty cool. Their new theme is by Jim Johnston. It's called Friendly Feud. It's time to play Friendly Feud with the London family, taking on the Kidman family. 
And now, here's your host, Louis Anderson. All right, everybody, it's time to play the feud. <laughs> Top five answers on the board. Sorry, couldn't help myself there. I couldn't help myself. Um, so this is uh, a much more straightforward, serious song than Hey You. A lot more generic as well. It's, it's your standard Jim Johnston generic rock instrumental. Not a ton to say about it, really. Um, but then again, you know, London and Kidman were not exactly the juiciest characters either. A couple of undercard white meat baby faces here. So there's not much to it. And character-wise, that kind of lights up there, I think, for sure. If, if it wasn't for the fact that you can hear the, the rockers' old music just faintly sort of working its way in there at points and a little less subtly at points, I would say that he just hit the demo button on his uh, synth. On his keyboard and said, "All right, two minutes of demo, go," because it's definitely just this. This feels like something you, that he knocked off just before it was time to go for lunch. It's like, all right, Lynn, London Kidman, chug, 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 chug. oh, the rockers. What, let me let me throw that in. They're kind of the rockers. They jump and do double drop kicks. I'm sure. But yeah, I mean, I feel like especially given what coming next it's almost like the there's the two song the two london themes are kind of of a piece here together that it's hard to talk about one with when we know what's coming next kind of builds on that in, in a way it's like this is this is so embryonic and just you could see why it only lasted for what was it like three four weeks in his career a couple of weeks yeah a couple of weeks like you said this this definitely feels like a demo version or a proto version of their next theme, which London would have for the remainder of his WWE tenure, actually. Um, same riff, pretty much. And we'll touch on this with the next one, of course, but very much a Rockers vibe, for sure. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, I liked the London Kidman tag team and was happy when they won the belts, but I have zero memory of this song because it was just so short and the next one was around for so much longer, you know? Yeah, this is kind of a period where SmackDown particularly was a bit of a dead zone for me in life. I it was hard enough. It, it was I was reaching the point in life where just because this is also t- around when I was doing the Raw reviews. So by the time I was done with Raw on Monday night, the last thing on earth I really wanted to do was watch or think about wrestling for another six days because I just turned out another six thousand words in three hours. <laughs> So, so no offense to Paul, but he was just on at the wrong time in my life for me to get really into any of his SmackDown tag teams. If he'd been on Raw, I would I'd be able to quote you a chapter and verse about all the things he did and all of the wacky jokes I made about him back in the day, but alas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have less memory of this song than Chavo Guerrero has a memory of Billy Kidman knocking him out with a shooting star press that one time, uh, which is actually what led to the team breaking up uh, because Kidman got gun-shy over doing the move, and then he turned on London afterwards. It was a whole big to-do, shot. It was a whole big thing that you missed out on. I believe you. The good thing is you could have told me any reason for them breaking up, and I'd, I'd be like, sure, I believe it. Paul London and Billy Kidman got into an argument over a game of Jenga. This sounds about right for the time. <laughs> I mean, it's it's mid-2000s WWE. Anything could have happened, and I don't remember any of it, so the field was wide open. Mm-hmm. Well, last time I checked, Paul London does not like Billy Kidman in real life, partly because of WWE banning the shooting star 
because Kimmon injured Chavo with it, and London, whose finisher is the Shooting Star Press, couldn't do it anymore. Um, and then he also got pissed off at Evan Bourne because after London left WWE, Evan Bourne got to do the Shooting Star Press again. So a, a lot of Shooting Star Press-based tension here with that little group there, uh, Sean. So <laughs> if it, I didn't know that, but if you had told me that there was an issue between Paul London and uh, Evan Bourne, Matt Seidel, I really wouldn't have assumed it was over wrestling moves. I, I would have thought it was about a deal gone wrong. <laughs> Yeah, there was uh, a mishap over ayahuasca. <laughs> they still haven't gotten over it to this very day. <laughs> he took my ayahuasca tea from catering. <laughs> yeah. So about a month after they get Friendly Feud, London and Kimmin get a new theme. And this theme would last, like I said, for the remainder of London's time in WWE. Uh, he has this as a singles guy in 2005 when he's Cruiserweight Champion. And then it became the theme for the London and Kendrick tag team when they reunited and became the tag champs together until London got released in 2008. Uh, this is Jim Johnston again with Jimmy Bell off of WWE Uncaged 10. This is New Rockers. So as mentioned, this is basically an updated version of Friendly Feud. Uh, has all sorts of extra guitar shredding goodness. Sounds a lot more produced. Has a very fast pace to it too, which works well for London in particular because his entrance was him just full-on sprinting to the ring and sliding in. Uh, so it matches well in that regard. Again, not a standout song by any means, but one I remember quite well because it was just used so often uh, for the rest of his run there in WWE. And... And yeah, you know, calling it New Rockers, it's very on the nose with what they're going for here, um, especially since it sounds so similar to the old Rockers theme from back in the day. But look, Jim Johnston, not always the most uh, original when it comes to making some themes here. So it is, it is what it is there, Sean. So, you know. It's not even a bad theme. I mean, it helps that the original Rockers theme is almost bulletproof in being just a absolutely great wrestling entrance music but it just has that nothing was allowed to be bright in the in that era nothing was allowed to be shiny or neon so they took this very 80s hair metal vibe sort of song and it feels like they just laid a giant sheet of black cloth over it so that it was a little dirtier and just dun, 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 dun everything had to be a little more rumbly and the guitars were they were loud and shredding but they were still just slightly muffled underneath this sort of pad of noise and it 
it's just such a perfect, here's what it was like as an 80s kid, here's what it's like as a 2000s kid, sort of con compare and contrast. The, the drums are just a little, are more muffled and just everything, it just feels a little dampened underneath, underneath everything, as opposed to the original theme, which was just so... Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Well, I guess if you're going to, you know, label London and Kendrick as, like, the ruthless aggression rockers, where there's a little bit more, you know, grit and grime on them, I guess it makes sense in that regard, sure. Um, plus, they were both trained by Shawn Michaels, too, so another connection there. Um, but ultimately, this song and its other WWE themes, I think they really lay out London's dilemma in the company, which was them really just putting him in one kind of boring box and never going beyond that. You know, in WWE, he wasn't the star that they could push seriously. He was a cruiserweight guy. He was a tag guy. So just give him some fun little wacky Hey You music. Give him some generic little rocker music. And that's his lot in life. Pay him no more mind. Whereas in ROH, you had something different. You had something more badass, more epic. And there was that magic with him in ROH as the Never Say Die crowd favorite. But WWE never tapped into that. So we never got to see London, you know, go beyond his reach in that company. So his music there, it does feel like a mirror uh, to what he went through in that company for sure, Sean. It does. And also in terms of the contrast between ROH and WWE for him, his music was so was very badass in ROH, as we discussed. Lots of guitar, lots of epic no, epic sounds. And it was okay. I mean, especially the as his theme as his themes evolved and as he evolved, it didn't come off as sort of out of place for him. It didn't seem discordant. But in WWE, especially with that last rockers theme, which was like it had a lot more aggression and a lot more of a darker sort of vibe to it than say the original rockers theme. There, it felt very out of place for me. It's like, this doesn't sound like Paul London music, and it feels wrong. Because even though it's trying to be fast-paced and excitable, it's still just got this dirge feeling over the top of it all. And there is where it struck me so much more that this doesn't feel right. This feels like it should be, maybe because in WWE, he was so much smaller than everybody else that he couldn't get away with trying to be that never say die badass and again he was just presented as hey here's paul london and brian kendrick they have the belts for a year because no one in a booking meeting figured out how to take them off him he does a flip yay here but here's this really loud angry music that he's going to come sprinting down to and then probably lose a non-title tag match to so in a way i think the first music he had even though it wasn't really intended for him might have been a better option for him in WWE. <laughs> After all the smack I talked about it, admittedly. It's more memorable. I'll say it, that about it. It's more memorable, I think. It's more memorable. It would definitely fit an underdog babyface character better than what he was coming out to there at the end. But didn't I, I, I honestly I didn't get a chance to look this up. Didn't he get fired it's because he was smiling when Vince McMahon's limo blew up? I don't think that was the reason. Um, I mean, he did do that. And that's a very infamous moment in his career, of course. But that was 07, and he got cut in 08. 
So I think it was just one of those things where they had nothing else for him to do. And so they cut him. Um, and it was telling, too, that when they broke up London and Kendrick, it was Kendrick who got the new theme, Man with a Plan, and the new gimmick, the Brian Kendrick, whereas London kept this theme and was you know around for a few more weeks and afterwards got cut. So there you go. Okay. I, I couldn't remember if that was an urban legend or not. Once again, WWE at that point in time, I'll believe anything you tell me. <laughs> because it's all so just weird and stupid, that era. By the way, uh, when London came back to ROH for a little bit in 2013 for a couple shows, he used a theme by Adam Massacre called Going All The Way, which is a remake of this song. That was when he wrestled Davey Richards, and Davey did the foot stomp onto the apron and landed right on London's face. So, yeah, not one of the brighter moments of his career, I don't think. The good thing is Davey was able to then uh, take care of him since he's an EMT. He'll break you, he'll fix you. So, uh, London gets released from WWE in 08, and uh, he goes back to the Indies, and uh he uses various themes around different parts. Uh, he uses The End is the Beginning is the End by Smashing Pumpkins in PWG. is Watching the Planets by Flaming Lips in WXW. recent theme is called Never Too Young to Die by Iron Coster, which he would actually sing along to during his entrance. But the one we'll focus on here is one I think best sums up this era of Paul London, the post-WWE era. He used it in various indies. It's by Chuck Serino, and it's from the soundtrack to the film Death Stalker 2. This is called 
shall have her revenge and... So we're back to the cinematic here, uh, literally, because it's from a movie, and uh, this is a very odd song choice for a theme. Um, a, it's from Deathstalker 2, of all things, and B, it's this like weird mix of 80s synths and 80s rock and the more traditional instruments. There's like a ton of 80s cheese in general. It's a very jaunty song when it hits the main section. Has a cool little synth line too. Doom, da, da, doom, da, da, doom, da, da, doom. But it also has more like moody parts as well. It's a very strange theme, but I think this sums up London's post WWE run the best because after WWE, um, Paul started leaning heavily towards the stranger side of things. Sean, shall we say? I'd never heard this song before, which is I think a first for me. In the now four episodes that I've done, which, by the way, is basically because Andrew keeps me in a glass cage, and <laughs> whenever he needs a ho- co-host, he just breaks the glass and says, "All right, you're on." I loved this for him because it's so weird, and especially the part where it just goes full spaghetti western in the middle, <laughs> and it turns into uh, the good, the bad, and the the good, the bad, and the highest fuck. <laughs> I, I just imagine grizzled veteran of like 30 years old, Paul London coming out to this on some show out in Reseda or something. And it works so well because it's just nuts. And yet it has that air to it. Like I've been everywhere. I am the intrepid traveler. It's half serious, half sarcastic. Just like Paul London at this point in his career. I mean, he's he's doing this character that you know is partially just him taking the piss out of everything, but it's also kind of accurate. Just like this song. It's kind of tropey and just playing with things, but it hooks you, even if you don't want it to. Yeah, if you ever saw that London and Kendrick's Excellent Adventures shoot interview they did that one time, where they are just on a different planet <laughs> or like um, that those videos of him in his backyard in his garden or whatever, or the hybrid dolphins promo with Danielson yeah. <laughs> or his Lucha underground work. He can be a very strange duck. So it's no big surprise here that he has a very weird little song and it does play into this part of his career. I think cause he's no longer the fiery youngster full of piss and vinegar now he's the veteran. Now he's the intrepid traveler coming out in a NASA jumpsuit. Like, he's leaning into the weirdness a lot more. I mean, look at the other songs. 
flaming lips, smashing pumpkins. Like, he's gone from the doldrums of WWE into much spacier territory, if you will. And him having some obscure 80s B-movie song plays into that wonderfully, I think, Sean. Uh, just to turn it a bit, you we talked at the very beginning about the idea that maybe he just liked the uh, South Texas Death Ride, and that's why it was his song. I have no doubt that the Flaming Lips watching the planets was just him saying, I love this song. I'm coming out to this now because it's just five minutes of drone and watching the planets. And it's it's weird for a Flaming Lips song. And I say this as someone who's seen the Lips in concert over a dozen times. I spent multiple New Year's Eve with their concerts because they kept doing Chicago. They're one of my favorite bands in the world. And that song's a little odd, even for most of their repertoire. (laughs) So I can totally imagine Paul London being like, dude, this song is awesome. And, and hopefully making the audience listen to the entire five and a half minutes of it during his intro. If he was working a heel at that point, because by the end of it, anyone in the audience who wasn't already on some sort of a hallucinogen would have been throwing things in the ring at him being like, turn this shit off. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's not like he wasn't getting featured on the indies like he was before the WWE run. He was still getting booked in, like, PWG and whatnot, but he wasn't the shiny new toy that he once was either. Like, the spotlight was now more on the next generation, like El Generico, Kevin Steen, Davey Richards, Roderick Strong. So, you know, in a way, London became more like a wacky uncle than the prodigal son that he used to be. So the older, weirder, more obscure song goes in line with that too. And that's that's the way it goes in wrestling in general. You know, one generation supplants the other as time moves on, Sean, you know? Exactly. What do you do when you're too old to be the old guy? Too young to be the old guy, but you're just, you've been around for long enough that you're not cool anymore. Because you can't be cool after spending that long in WWE at that point. So you just you just say fuck it. I'm just gonna go balls to the wall. Weird, I guess, because no one's gonna take you as who you were in ROH. And honestly, I think there's a certain degree of resentment among some indie fans that he did leave so soon in ROH. I think that when he came back, I felt like just reading things on the internet and talking to people, like there was a sense like you had your opportunity and you decided to go and do the WWE thing instead when you could have been in ROH and been one of those new generation guys like Punk, Danielson, Joe. So it's it's always been an odd spot for London. He, he was on the Indies so briefly compared to how long he was in WWE that he can't really, I don't know that he can truly be seen as an indie guy in that way. So if you're not going to get respect as a legend, I guess just have fun with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, By the way, uh, the title, She'll Have Her Revenge, and that comes from a line in the movie where the main villain goes, I'll have my revenge, and Deathstalker 2. So a clever little pun there, Sean. T-O-O, the number two. It's very (laughs) clever there. You gotta admit that. I I know what I'm going to be watching uh, next movie night now because I've never seen this movie, and... I have to see it <laughs> just for this song alone, because the song is, I, I listened to the song like five times when we, when I was preparing for this, just kept looping it. Like 
this this can't be allowed. <laughs> this can't be happening. <laughs> Did I take some of that ayahuasca? What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> Did I switch cups with Matt Slidell? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> what the heck was in that suite at the, at that show? <laughs> Am I taking crazy pills? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was our look at Paul London's themes, um, or at least a good chunk of them. Uh, like I said, we didn't cover all of them in depth. I know he had a few in TNA when he was there for a cup of coffee that uh, other people used, like Born and Raised. And uh, I think he came out to uh, The Heat Goes On by Asia when he was in Zero One. Um, probably a few other ones out there as well. But in any event, we covered the big ones, I think. And um, yeah, you can see the shift, you know, going from some pretty unique standout songs, bombastic songs, to some more standard kind of generic songs, and then back to some really weird out there songs. It does follow London's career arc in a way, going from this standout guy in ROH to becoming part of the mid-card muck in WWE, and then coming out the other side a whole lot weirder. So... He's had a very interesting career, has Paul London. Um, I wouldn't call it the greatest career in the world, but certainly very interesting in a lot of ways. And now he's coming back, and I'm very curious to see what he does next, Sean, that's for sure. If, if coming back has to do with his music, I'm hoping that that, can all, that, that that sort of bleeds out, because I know that one of the TNA themes that appears was also reused for, for Trinity in TNA, who is one of my all-time, I think, missed opportunities in wrestling. Like, if, if, if she had gotten into the industry 10 years later, I, I, I think she's a mega star in the industry. So it was it was nice to have that little reminder of someone who I really liked back then, but didn't quite pan out the way I thought it would. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, she was on those early ROH shows, too, um, helping out Divine Storm, I think. Yes, so yes. another connection there with Paul London there, too. So, yeah. But, um, all right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening, and Sean, thank you so much for being back here. It's always a pleasure having you on and goofing off and talking about music and wrestling. This was great as always, man. Absolutely. I'll see you in a couple more months when something comes up, and you're like, damn, who the hell can I get to co-host it? <laughs> I have the emergency button. Get Sean in here now. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. The light goes up into the sky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any plugs you want to give? Go right ahead. Uh, no. Okay, then. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm basically retired, so I have nothing to plug. (laughs) Fair enough, sir. Fair enough. Uh, (laughs) Music of the Met is, of course, part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. You can find all the great podcasts on there at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Met. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. If you want to discuss this episode or other topics, you can do so at the VOW Discord. That's VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Discord. If you want to donate to the show, you can do that. Just go to VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Donate and click the big Donate button beneath the name Music of the Mat. If you donate, hey, thanks so much. You're awesome. Rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. And of course, one more time, HelloFresh.com slash VOW14. Use the code VOW14 and get up to 14 free meals plus free shipping. Sean, thank you again, and I'll see you around. Thank you, Andrew. Have a good one. All right, for Sean Flynn, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. 
of the mad is intended for entertainment and information purposes only the songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders